0: Hi, my name is Roger Jackson. I'm a part of the Arise Church Plan, our mother church, Rooftop, is doing a sermon series called Sunrin' the Sun. We are talking about the different names of Jesus. Today I'm sitting down with Jacob Pratlock, pastor who connects the church Month at Rooftop. We are talking about Jesus, the Logos. Hey, welcome back guys. Hope you're having a great day. Jacob, how are you doing?
1: I'm alright, Roger. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Um, really excited about this one we're talking about Jesus the Logos and I really was excited about it because that's something that I um, have really cling to in my life um, I actually have a tattoo on my right forearm of John eight twelve, which is I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not live in darkness but live in the light of light so I really uh, resonate with this Logos as the the light that is in the darkness so, could you kind of just summarize what your summer was about?
1: Yeah. So, uh, as part of our Summer in the Sun series, I, I drew uh, Jesus, the Logos. And uh, just as I was digging into the passage, uh, and of course, the main passage here uh, where Jesus is called the Logos is uh, the prologue of the Gospel of John. So, John 1 1 through 18. And as I was just looking at the passage and praying through the passage, uh, the image that really stood out to me, uh, as it has so many other people, is uh, this language that John uses about light. For example, uh, John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's uh, a verse that's been powerful in my life, but as we look at the Logos, and we look at who the Logos is and what the Logos does, this seems to be one of the major images that John uses, and that is that the Logos brings light into the darkness of life uh, And it's by following the light It's by letting the light light up our darkness uh, That we can really uh, Know who Jesus is And see the world around us As it really is And so those are some of the themes that we touched on uh, In this message
0: And so I, I remember you saying uh, It was kind of a little Maybe funky or a little little Off-putting because it's not Necessarily a name It's more of, a, more of an action
1: Exactly, yeah, I mean what John is doing here is pretty unique. Uh, and, and really, the Gospel of John does this on a number of occasions. There are the I Am statements in John, right? I am the Good Shepherd. I am the Light of the World. Uh, I am the Gate. You know, those sorts of things. Uh, but this is this is really a unique name of Jesus. We've been talking about names of Jesus like Messiah or Son of God or Son of Man. Those are names, right? Those are names you actually call people. Uh, very specific names that... that uh, indicate very specific things. And so, as we've been working through this series, it's been pretty easy to go, hey, this is a name that someone says about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but Logos is different. Logos is different. It's different not only in terms of kind of numerical frequency. This is really only a name that John applies to Jesus. And it's really a name okay. John applies to Jesus only here in the prologue of John, only in these few verses. Um, but not only that, it's also just this odd term. Uh, one of the things I, I shared was uh, just kind of some of the etymology, some of the, the, the linguistics around this term. Logos means uh, a number of different things in the ancient world. It means reason. It means thought. Uh, it's related to the idea of uh, rationality or logic in English. Uh, and so to call Jesus uh, Logos is really just an odd uh, linguistic move because it identifies Jesus as an abstract concept. Now, it's an abstract concept with a lot of history in the ancient world, but it's an abstract concept nonetheless. And it's, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I was trying to communicate, it was just how unique this name is when it comes to talking about who Jesus is.
0: And then again, this is also something that I've really enjoyed in this whole series, is how it kind of has that parallel, or, or always goes back to the uh, Old Testament. And I know you were kind of saying how John 1 was similar to to Genesis, you know, at, at the beginning. So I really kind of like how, I think I've, one of the things that I've learned most about this series is that you have to read the history, you have to go back, you have to see where God was talking about this before the New Testament, before Jesus was even on earth. And then I remember in, um, I believe, uh, John 1 uh, verse 14, uh, it kind of talked about how the Logos became fl- flesh and dwelt among us. And that was kind of where, you know, John turned everything upside down because there was never any kind of viable uh, thing that you can just hold or see or be like, okay, this is it. This is Logos right here. Like, I-, I can show you that. You know, so I really I really was intrigued by that.
1: Yeah, it's just such a rich term. Uh, just to touch on a couple of things you said there. I mean, to, one of my kind of soapboxes is... You can't understand the the New Testament without making sense of the Old. There's so much parallelism. There's so much richness. Uh, John actually does this really interesting thing where he uh, parallels portions of Torah, portions of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, in a number of the early stories in his Gospel. And he starts here of course with creation in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth parallels of course in the beginning was the logos and to a jewish reader to a someone who is familiar with uh judaism uh, in any way shape or form that's that's immediately going to ring out uh, but i mean there's more than that too there's uh the uh a uh, an apparent reference to Psalm 33, right? By the word of the Lord, the heavens are made, and of course John would have been familiar with Psalms. Uh, the Psalms in Greek, and in the Greek, he would have read, "By the logos of the Lord, the heavens were made," right? And so, and he's talking about Jesus as the agent of creation. Uh, this is going to ring. Par- this is going to ring true, and uh, you know, kind of one of my major major things that was really honestly uh, stripped down uh, was just the rich history of this term, of this idea of the Logos. Uh, The Stoic philosophers uh, of Jesus' day had a lot to say about the Logos. Uh, Jewish philosophers such as Philo have just tons to say about the Logos, and uh, the more I I dig into John, and the more I I look at the, the, the culture and the context that John would have been writing in, the more I'm convinced that John is really intentionally Of playing off these philosophical ideas that are in the that are you know at at work in the culture, uh, things that are going on and ideas that are in the air, you know when John uses the word logos. Uh, he is entering a conversation that is as rich as, uh, for example, our current conversation would be about the word democracy, right? Everybody has an idea about what democracy is. Everybody has heard that term, uh, especially if you're an American. It's, it's, uh, it's something that's being talked about and thought about and debated in, in public spheres today. What does it mean to be a democracy? How does this impact how we live as people? And that's the same sort of term that logos would have been, In John's day, it's a term that people would have heard. They would have been familiar with. Uh, It would have been something that people were talking about. And so John, to a point in the prologue, follows all of these ideas. Hey, the Logos is eternal. It's divine. It's an agent of creation. That's all ideas about the Logos that people would have been familiar with. But then, as you said, Roger, in verse 14, we get the term, right? We get something that's totally unique and totally different uh, and really quite radical. And it's this idea that the Logos had flesh, and dwelt among us. And I really like how Eugene Peterson uh, puts this in the message. He says, uh, the Logos became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Right, It just really kind of underscores this idea um, that the Logos is has become immediate. It's He's here, and he's here in a very different way uh, than anyone who would have had an, an idea of the kind of philosophical Logos. This is a very different idea than what someone... Uh, someone who's more philosophical uh, would be thinking. So I just, I just love uh, kind of the richness of the concept of the Logos here uh, that John is using. Yes, Jesus is philosophical and abstract, and he, he meets all these criteria that uh, the philosophers talk about, but at the same time, uh, he has become human. He, is, he has dwelt among us, uh, and I think it's just a beautiful description of uh, who Jesus is, And uh, the work that he does as he comes into the darkness of our world.
0: Yeah, that that is really so true. And I I was actually seeing if you were going to go to that part, and and, uh, it really is true, like that—that you know that he's divine and he's eternal, and it's the it's the agent of creation. But how he flips that around and. He became f- uh, flesh, but he's still, you know, that Logos with Jesus is still eternal, is still divine, it's still an agent of creation. And I just think that's really, um, it's really powerful to, to, to think of it that way. It's just really, like you said, I really just love that that kind of connection with Jesus and the Logos. Um, so obviously, you know, Logos brings light into the darkness, you know, in our life. And so like how... How do we see that how do we how do we realize when Jesus is trying to to help us is trying to reveal his plan trying to reveal where uh, you know there could be a a stronghold or where there could be you know temptation like how how does he reveal that to us or, or what do we need to do to to start that process
1: yeah and that's I mean, that's a great great question you know how how do we know if I can rephrase the question maybe, uh, how do we know when the light is, c- or could be coming into the darkness, right? And to me, this is, I think, part of the uh, journey of the Christian life, right? Growing in faith so that we can recognize more and more where God is present and active. Um, I mean, so and so, how do we know when that happens? Well, I mean, think I think very functionally, uh, our study of scripture and our prayer life with God are the place that this needs to start, right? Uh I can't tell you how many times I have been in a bad place or something has been going on in my life and things seem hopeless or dark. And it's uh, that stopping and pausing for a moment and turning to God in prayer and talking to God uh, that reveals so much of what is going on, right? Uh, it reveals, hey, Jacob, you're making a, making a fool of yourself. Hey, Jacob, you're being an idiot. Uh, hey, Jacob, you're you're not thinking of yourself uh, rightly. You're not recognizing that you're my child, uh, that you're a child of God, that you're loved and that you're valuable. Um, you know. And so to me, that's that's kind of where that starts. Uh, it's just our relationship with God. Uh, and of course, you know, relationships are two-way streets. And so talking to God and hearing from God, both parts of that. Uh, but then I think very functionally, this is honestly the one of the major roles of community as well, right? Now, I, uh, again, I can't tell you how many times in my life uh, something's been going on I've been in darkness and someone brings an encouraging light to me right it's a it, it could be something as explicit as uh, a Bible verse that someone shares or someone says hey man I'm praying for you today uh, it could be uh, just you know an encouragement or a pat on the back uh, a, a, you know a thank you card dropped in the in in the mail that someone sent me um, but you know I, I think God speaks to us through the ins and outs of everyday life as well. And he uses other people who follow him, other people that we're in community with and doing life together with. uh, He uses those people to bring light into our darkness uh, as well. And to remind us that, hey, you know, we are loved uh, and we are valuable. And, uh, you know, no matter what's going on right now, um, we are, uh, we are loved and uh, God hasn't given up on us. Um, Again, I'm not saying that God can't, you know, supernaturally intervene in our lives or speak to us individually. It's just in, in my life, um, I think one of the things I've discovered is I think God speaks to different people in different ways, right? We, just as human beings, we're different we're unique and uh, we respond to different things in different ways. And I think God God obviously knows that and is capable of speaking to us through a variety of ways and means. Uh, and so I think kind of dis- discerning, hey, how is it that God communicates to us? How, what are the ways that we listen to how God is communicating to us? Once you once you figure that out, then it becomes easy to, to pay attention to those sources. Uh, for, for me, for example, uh, one of the ways I think God communicates to me about uh, bringing light to the darkness, but just about anything, things in general, is through the counsel of wise friends. Um, and so... When I have a question or when I need encouragement or I'm in a dark place, I pay special attention to what wise friends say because I know that it is very often in those places that God speaks to me, that God brings light into the darkness or he brings encouragement or he brings guidance or discernment on what is coming next. Uh, and so that's a long answer to your question, Roger. Um, but I, I really do think that there are just a variety of ways that God uh, you know, shows us what's going wrong in our lives, tells us what's going right in our lives, uh, speaks that encouragement to us, brings that light into our darkness.
0: Yeah, sometimes it is. It is for me. I feel challenging to kind of realize when that that darkness is there, and you know when I need that light. But you know, for me, you know, I can struggle with uh, fear and anxiety, and um, it, you know, it could get pretty serious. And I can fear death, or you know, fear that. Something's gonna go on with with my money. I'm not gonna be able to provide for my family, or, or whatever that is, and it it could really, really, really weigh on me. And and for me, that's when I can start to realize, like, okay, and like you were saying, like you kind of just need to pause and just breathe, you know, and, and get into your word and pray, and and like you said, have that little community that you're with, meet with your small group, meet with friends that are close to you, and and it could really, it could really help to just kind of sit back and. Just breathe and pause. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that is very important. Um, so we all need to be saved from the dark. Uh, when we are lost in darkness, we are separated from Him by sin, anger, and loneliness. So, uh, you know, towards the end of this, it, it gets kind of serious, you know, because darkness has eternal consequences. Uh, I mean, it, it has, you know, we can do what we want now, and, and it can have consequences, but, you know, if you want to Cheat, or if you wanna, you know, not tithe, or if you wanna sin, and you wanna badmouth people behind their back, or or whatever it is, you know, or you know, for me, a hard one's uh, being on social media way too much than than I should be, you know, and so th- sometimes there's consequences, sometimes there's not, but at the end of the day, there is an the eternal consequence that is going to be very real and very um, present, and, and you know, we have to get out of that darkness.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, what you just said there at the end, especially, I think is, is, is worth digging into. Um, one of the images I tried tried to communicate here is that, uh, you know, we have, you know, God offers us eternal salvation, right? He offers us uh, beings, the opportunity to be safe from the darkness eternally. And that's something uh, that Christianity has done a pretty decent job of over the years communicating hey follow God and you'll be saved eternally follow God and it's gonna make a difference for you eternally and that's obviously very important uh, and 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 just you know very central to the message of faith but the thing I sometimes worry about and the thing I sometimes see is that we've focused on, in, in uh, John's presentation here, we focused on getting out of the darkness eternally, and we've forgotten, forgotten about getting out of the darkness now. We've forgotten uh, about the importance, and in fact, just the reality that living in the light now is, is going to make a difference now as well. Uh, you were just talking about maybe some of your anxiety over various things. Yeah, it's great that Jesus brings light into the darkness of life and he's going to save you eternally. Wouldn't it also be great if Jesus brought light into the darkness of your life now and also helped you wrestle through your anxiety and help maybe helped you be less anxious about things, right? And I think, uh, just as I look at uh, what, what uh, Scripture and what tradition have to say about uh, the influence of faith in our lives, I think that's indeed part of what's going on uh, in... Uh, when you follow Jesus, following Jesus has implications for your life now, too, right? At the heart of John's message in this passage, passage is this call to receive the Logos and to receive the light and the darkness. And yes, that has implications for the future. And yes, that is of eternal importance. Uh, but it also means that if you follow Jesus now, that things are going to happen in your life now. Now, here, we have to be very careful, right? Because in our world today, there are a lot of people who make a lot of promises about what following Jesus will do for you. I was just listening to something on the radio the other day. Uh, some preacher was on, and he could you could very easily call them a prosperity gospel preacher, right? The idea that if you follow Jesus now, you're never going to have any more financial problems. You're never going to have any more problems with your family and kids. When you follow Jesus now, life is going to be great and good and, and everything's going to be set. I don't think that's what John is promising here. I don't think that's what anyone in Scripture promises. But I do think uh, that when you follow Jesus, something happens, right? And I think it's much more of this uh, kind of the internal, much more of the um, spiritual side of things. The emotional side of things, the relational side of things, right? When you turn your life over to Jesus, you don't have to uh, be, uh, you know, fall prey to fear in your life anymore. When you turn your life over to Jesus, uh, the relationships that you have in your life don't have to be filled with brokenness. You don't have to be fighting with people anymore. Uh, Jesus actually can make a real difference in those things. And so, um, you know, again, just to reiterate. Eternal life is a huge benefit of following Jesus. Uh, but let's let's not forget that uh, following Jesus also makes a difference uh, in life today. The light shines in the darkness uh, eternally, but the light also shines in our darkness today.
0: Uh, Jacob, I just want to thank you again for coming on here and talking to me. I always appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you, Roger. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys later.